0: to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey there, hello, welcome to the show. It's June 5th. <coughs> God, mighty. June 5th. And uh, it's a Wednesday. I have to. I have to give you a heads up that uh, Amy and I are both going on vacation next week. Um, I don't know if you have noted, but my uh, my brain power seems truly diminished <laughs> this week. I'm just like whoa, whoa, whoa. I can't. I, I just don't feel like I'm. I feel like I need another one of those breaks. I'm not taking a month. I'm just taking a, a, a week you know it uh it, it gets to me so just just so as you know uh got a some different kind of stuff here today i i want to say that this is such i i was aware of this but then lost track of it and just want to say it's back in the news because it it got another um a judicial hearing and that is a lawsuit brought, uh, I guess, four or five years ago by children. Uh, Well, they were children then. Some of them now can can vote. Uh, Some are in college. And this is a lawsuit called Juliana versus uh, United States. And these children uh, brought the case saying that our government, the United States, has failed to protect them and future generations from the worst effects of climate change and as because they have failed to act um, these children say that they and their and their compatriots risk let me get their quote, risk being deprived of their right to life, liberty, property, and public trust resources by federal government acts that knowingly destroy, endanger, and impair the unalienable climate system that nature endows. Now, I'm no legal scholar. My guess is this is a long shot and always was. But I so appreciate the fact that these kids uh, chose to do this, that the suit remains alive. Three federal judges uh, heard arguments yesterday um, about this, whether in fact, I guess the question boils down to whether these children, the plaintiffs, have a constitutional right to enjoy the same climate that their parents did and their grandparents did you can see where it'd be a little squishy um... the judges were very apparently um, serious throughout but uh... kept acknowledging that these children were asking them to go into uncharted territory but of course that's where we're going with uh, climate change so I, I just just want to say there was 21 people, young people and uh, they're still hoping to see their case go as far as the U.S. Supreme Court seems to me there was another case brought maybe a year ago by also minors um, in one of the New England states that was about um, their right to have a good education as opposed to what they were getting in their public school system. Um, I think these suits are probably almost always long shots but uh they sure do if media does its job sort of concentrate uh the rest of us uh paying attention to um these very big issues speaking of climate change of course our president um our president um was heard on uh, British television to say that uh, climate change goes both ways, sort of like there's very fine people on both sides. He's a real middle-of-the-road kind of a guy. Climate change, he says, first they called it global warming, but uh, that didn't quite work out for them. So then they went to climate change, and uh, now they're this and that. And he's just... I mean, this stupidity, the, I I don't know, goes both ways. It's a Chinese hoax, too. Remember, there was that. Um, I believe there's a change in weather, he says, and I think it changes both ways. What does that mean yeah it's sunny one day and then it's rainy the next it changes both ways don't forget here's his quote it used to be called global warming that wasn't working then it was called climate change now it's actually called extreme weather because you know with extreme weather it can't miss And actually, in that regard, the president calls out our side again for its almost constant failure to properly brand whatever idea we're selling. So I understand why initially we called it global warming because temperatures were ticking up but then in fact there was all this extreme weather kicked off by the climate changes that occurred as a result of the warming of the oceans and um and the and the air but we yeah our, i'm just saying our side not good not good and then trump who clearly had schooled himself on climate uh, change uh went on and said Forty years ago, we had the worst tornado binge we've ever had. In the 1980s, we had our worst hurricanes. I mean, in the 1890s. In the 1890s. How does he even know? Somebody told him that. In the 1890s, we had our worst hurricanes. Um, first of all, I doubt that. It's possible. I would imagine he's talking about death tolls. And death tolls were higher with uh, a hurricane in the 1890s simply because they didn't have the meteorological prognostication tools to, uh, to prepare to see the hurricane coming, you know, two, three days before it got there, to evacuate, to, uh, you know, when people just got slammed and blown or washed away. Uh, my guess is that that he's doing death tolls and perhaps property damage. Um, But I don't know. So uh, Prince Charles uh, met with him for 90 minutes yesterday, trying, trying obviously, um, futilely to (laughs) get Trump to understand that climate change was real and it was a big problem. Um, but his White House will continue to lead the uh, the know-nothings of the world on this issue, countering uh, the scientific claims that are now almost unanimously endorsed. And a case in point, he has... Um, put a guy named William Happer in the position of handling the White House response, because it's not anything they're going to actively do, it's just a defensive response to um, others demanding that they do something about uh, climate change in as much as we can. And obviously, that has to do with human behavior and curtailing human behavior. Um, the guy he's put in touch, uh, in in see what I mean? The guy who who he's put um, in place to lead that effort, William Happer. I have a quote here from him, and it's just beyond belief. <laughs> I I'm hardly able to share it with you, but I have to. This is a guy who is going to be essentially the climate the White House's climate change expert. Ready for the quote? The demonization of carbon dioxide is just like the demonization of the poor Jews under Hitler. <clears throat> i don't i don't have a i i when i read that i thought whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. what it is i mean that statement is offensive on so many levels that unbelievable but this is who donald trump has uh placed in charge of uh the issue of of global warming And um, he might have been interested in an article, actually, in today's uh, business section of the New York Times that is headlined, Companies Expect to Feel Climate Change's Bite. And it's a whole article about how some companies, from the tech giants to, to manufacturers to even European banks, are uh, bracing for the impact of of climate change and and seeing uh, a lot of uh, negative impact on the only thing they ever care about, of course, which is their money. So it says here that pressure on uh, these uh, corporate entities from their shareholders, um, and and from increasingly from regulators, certainly not here, but in Europe, um, they are being asked to disclose, to figure out, crunch the numbers, and disclose the uh, financial impacts that they expect to face as the planet uh, warms i mean things from everything like their supply chains uh being uh broken and or disrupted um, obviously if they're in coal and oil the um the fact that uh regulations could start to uh really hurt their bottom lines um the The corporate sector generally estimates that they're looking at losses well into the trillions. I'm sure I'm sure that is true. Um, a quote, "The numbers we're seeing are already huge, but it's clear that this is just the tip of the iceberg, which, as we know, is melting. However, as in any business report, there's a, you know, as Trump likes to say, there's two sides, two sides. And some companies are seeing global warming as entrepreneurial opportunity. Listen to this. Eli Lilly, a drug maker in the U.S., cited research suggesting that rising temperatures could spread could drive the spread of infectious diseases. Yay! And they see that as a good thing for them because, well, here's their quote. This may then increase demand for certain medicines we produce. So, yay! Let's hear it for climate change and warmer temperatures creating, you know, Uh, Maybe pandemics and uh, the easier spread of contagious disease. Yes, because we're going to make money. (coughs) Excuse me. Unbelievable. Roger says, I've never been compared to carbon dioxide before. How does it feel? (laughs) Well, I didn't have any words before, and I have none uh, now. Unbelievable. Poor carbon dioxide being treated just like those Jews. (laughs) Mind blowing. Mind blowing. Okay. Uh, also, on the ecological front, because I saw this, it was under this thing in the business section, and I've already noticed it. Uh, you know, when you travel and you stay in a hotel, one of the things you like are those little bottles of, you know, shampoo and lotion and all that stuff that they give you, and you know, you're, you're, you're allowed, you know you're not stealing if you pocket it, and I think most people have some of those bottles um, at home somewhere. Uh, they're going to be gone. Those are called, in the ecological uh, world, those are called single-use plastic. And they're one of the things that, um, well, in this article, they're called low-hanging fruit. If you want to start just pushing back through governmental regulation on uh, the amount of plastic... That we produce and then throw away, uh, polluting our oceans, killing uh, f- flora and fauna. I mean, it just it's unbelievable what all this plastic does. Say goodbye to it. Um, there is a bill, and of course it's California. Uh, and it, if when it passes, and it probably will, will be the first law of its kind in the country. Uh, that will make it um, illegal for a hotel or anybody to carry these uh, little single-use plastic uh, bottles of toiletries. And um, the reality is is we're one of the big, uh, you know, North America is uh, the third largest producer of plastic waste. I'm going to guess that uh, China might be the biggest, Um, but being third is not bragging rights. And um, so I'm just saying, uh, if you got some of those, uh, you might want to, you know, hang on to them as relics. You can show your great-grandchildren, you see this? This is what you used to. And so here's what they're doing. Don't worry, you don't necessarily have to pack your own uh, shampoo and conditioner uh most hotels that are taking them out are putting uh you know containers on the on the walls that that are filled with the stuff so in the shower there's sh- there's shampoo and actually that's a much better idea right much better idea just just heads up next time you're stunned when you think where's my little bottle of shampoo Um little I I don't know if you guys already heard this uh but I I had not seen the number before. Uh and that is how many Bernie Sanders primary voters voted for Trump in the general election. Or doesn't matter the or because it had the same effect or voted for Jill Stein or didn't vote for anybody but it is 25% of all of Bernie's supporters did not then support the Democratic ticket um And there's the election. There's the election. Uh, If you crunch the numbers, 12% of them voted for Donald Trump. The rest backed Stein or other minor party candidates or stayed home. That would amount to uh, over 800,000 votes. 800,000 votes, which is 10 times Trump's combined margins in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. So this actually is from a, a opinion piece that is arguing that Democrats are looking like they're going to do the same thing they did with that race, that they're going to turn from their more progressive uh, wing and go with a centrist, a moderate, uh, who they feel will win in a general uh, election, which is why Biden's so up there. And it's why, as I told you when I was talking to some of the local Dems um, at the Planned Parenthood event uh, this weekend, they all clearly are terrified of um, the resurgent progressives of, and and that includes almost every, that includes Elizabeth Warren, that includes, um, I, I think it includes almost everybody for them uh they're scared and they think it dooms the party in a national election but th- this guy says so here we go again the centrists are coalescing around the idea that Trump is so dangerous that the democrats must unite behind the most electable candidate And I often say I am, I'm not necessarily a moderate, but I'm a pragmatic, I'm a pragmatist when it comes to this. I just want to figure out who's the person who wins. (laughs) I don't care if it's Biden, all right, it's Biden, but who wins? But see, how do we know that? Are we all of a sudden, you know, extraordinary seers capable of of uh, knowing what this restive electorate is 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 going to do in November of 2020, I, I am um, I'm not willing to <laughs> step out and say I know, and I don't know anybody who does. And the very people who are paid to know, the pundits and the prognosticators, they clearly don't know anymore either. But this guy says, <clears throat> but this is the approach that gave us Trump in the first place. We put up a serious extraordinarily well uh you know, that resume that Hillary Clinton had. You can't get a better resume for running for president. You can't get a better resume. And we knew she was serious and wonky and just imbued with a passion to use um, the office to do good stuff. You might not have liked her. You might not have, whatever. You might not have wanted the damn family back, the Clintons. But in our heads, because we're rational people, there was no doubt she was going to (laughs) win. What, you're going to not vote for this capable human being? And you're going to vote for this clown? A clown. A know-nothing, narcissistic clown. And that's what the voters did. You know, the, the think of who Democrats have elected to the presidency in the last last times we've won there was Jimmy Carter and there was Bill Clinton right? now both of those guys were centrist as hell and southern which helped southern white men and then the first time we went out of the box with Barack Hussein Obama We won. I don't know. On paper, Gore was good. On paper, Kerry was fine. But they were lackluster candidates, and we lost. They were safe, sober, and losers. So this guy says, Hard as it is for centrist Democrats to fathom, many progressives would rather see a second Trump term than a President Biden. I don't think that's true. I mean, I mean, we could maybe the same 12% of Bernie's, but that's not, is that many? Well, if it comes out to 800,000, that's many. They won't vote for us. And it's not like they have to vote for Trump. They just have to sit it out. I don't know. And I And again, I I do um I will humble brag that I'm humble on this issue. I don't pretend to know who our candidate should be. I don't. And speaking of Biden, man, he's you know that his can- he's known as messing things up on campaigns, and he's uh he's starting to do it. I don't have it here, do i he um you know he put out uh his climate change uh policy, and people immediately noticed that um it looked like a lot of it was lifted uh right out of um other people's <laughs> climate change <laughs> policies. Um, And as you know, his effort to win the Democratic uh, nomination in 1988 was uh, derailed by his plagiarism of a uh, British lawmaker's uh, speech. Um, So this is something that comes back. And here we have it again, the failure to... Now, he didn't write this policy paper, but somebody on his staff did. And uh, it, it it helps to tar him and make it look like, in many ways, this is not a well-thought-out uh, candidacy. The other thing that I found most troubling is that the policies that he lifted out of somebody else's policy was lifted out of a... Environmental kind of a paper written by the coal industry. Now, that's troubling. Why would you go to the a coal industry uh, publication to get some uh, some of your stuff when you? I mean, seriously, I'm just asking why. And then, this is an article in what? The Washington Post. And and listen to this. And tell me if this is, tell me if my reaction is um, correct. The reporter talking about this stuff with the Biden uh, policy and the lifting of stuff from a coal industry paper says this. Other campaigns... Have used unattributed language similar to that crafted by primary sources. A policy plan by Senator Kamala Harris includes this line. Okay, listen to it. Black women are three to four times more likely to die from pregnancy related causes than white women. And then the next sentence in this report is that is identical to a reference in an American Heart Association document. Well, so when they went to the Harris campaign and said, look at that, black women are three to four times more likely to die from uh, pregnancy-related causes than white women? That's lifted right out of that American Heart Association thing, which, by the way, lifted it out of the Centers for uh, uh, Disease Control and Prevention. And the person at the Harris campaign said what I was thinking. It's not plagiarism. It's a statistic. It's a statistic. How else are you going to say that? Okay, let's not say exactly that. Let's maybe say black women are what? Four to five instead of three to four? What are you going to do? It's a statistic. That's not the same thing. As plagiarism. I mean I don't know. So anyway, um here's somebody saying I, I guess he his staff borrowed this stuff from the Center for Climate and Energy Solutions. Carbon Capture Coalition, which is an industry group of polluters. Its members include Shell and Peabody Energy and Arch Coal. And Biden's staff is getting his climate change stuff from there. Oh, dear. So, just saying. Just saying. Do you see some Trump supporter in London went after the baby balloon? Started stabbing it? Apparently, the balloon... The balloon did not succumb to this uh, these injuries because it it remained uh inflated um, that wasn 't the most outrageous uh depiction the 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 screaming baby in a diaper that is that balloon they also have and i 'm sure you've probably seen this a huge it 's really like a statue big statue of uh donald trump uh Uh, seated on a commode while posting messages on Twitter. (laughs) And you know he's posting messages on Twitter because this statue actually speaks. And it speaks in his voice. So it's got him sitting there on the toilet tweeting and out of the statue comes, I am a very stable genius. And you are fake news. Speaking of fake news, he did, it, it, I, I happen to have the misfortune of happening upon his and Theresa May's uh, press conference uh, in which he was asked by a reporter about the uh, tens of thousands of Londoners in the streets, <laughs> not to mention balloons and statues, Um that were protesting him and his response was where are those protests i don't see any protests i did see a small protest today when i came there very small so a lot of it is fake news of course he says that as these you know on a split screen there's these Granted, granted, they were not as big as his last uh, his last visit in um, uh, I think a year ago. Um, however, one Brit said, "Hey guys, look, we are going through our own. British citizens are now so exhausted by our own government's <laughs> extraordinary incompetence and failure to lead us." And we've been in the streets about that, and frankly, we are, you know, like like us, they are just burned out. He also, and when he said it, I said, huh? He said, here's the quote, this is talking to the British press and standing there with uh, the outgoing PM, May. He says, we are your largest partner. You are our largest partner. And he was talking economically. That's absolutely false. I mean, that's. I thought, what? How could that be? How could that possibly be? And it turns out it can't possibly be. If you you rank them, the, the, the UK is seventh. <laughs> he just says whatever. Well, I know. Listen, I know. I hear you shouting, tell us something we don't know, Cullen. God, stop talking about stuff we all know. Oh, and you know, a lot of people like to hate the New York Times um, White House reporter, Maggie Haberman. Um, Sometimes her reportage annoys me. Sometimes I really appreciate it. But she... Maybe she didn't, because this was written by two people, Maggie Haberman and Katie Rogers. And it's a fluff story about Donald Trump's children in London. And first of all, I have to say this. Continuing to call them children is, I mean, first of all, they're not children. They're, they're grown-ups. I mean, they're, 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 um, here's what it says either Maggie or Katie wrote this and whoever wrote it, I'd sure like to have them defend it. Here it is. On this visit, a family opportunity surfaced. The Kennedys have long occupied the American political culture as the unofficial royal family of the United States, but this week, the Trumps appeared to present themselves as the 2019 version. What the hell? That group of repulsive grifters, and you're saying that they have toppled the Kennedys as. The American royal family? Well, maybe we deserve them. I don't know. I don't know. I um. I really. I. Pfft. My head exploded. My head exploded. Oh. Okay. Um. I have a. It was a sock in the gut uh, to me this morning when I was, you know, reading all the sources I read, and I came upon such an unhappy piece of news, and I want to share it with you. Pittsburgh's great stage actor. And wondrous human being, Bingo O'Malley, has died. And this, it just, it was like a sock in the gut. I didn't know Bingo well, but I knew him enough that when I saw him, I just, if I was at any event and he was there, man, I made a beeline. I just loved he exuded a humanity that infused his his acting work. I mean, he was, he could take on any role and totally inhabit it. He was, he could have been, he could have been a great actor. He just never left Pittsburgh. Bingo was 86, and the thing I learned from this obituary that blew me away, by the way, uh, written by Bill O'Driscoll, who used to be on this show quite often because he was a reporter here at City Paper, and Bill writes that Bingo was his actual name. How, his parents named him Bingo? I mean that's pretty amazing. And his, his his daughter said that they loved it was he was named after like Bing Crosby or something. Oh here it is. He grew up working class in Oakland. His niece confirms that Bingo was his legal name. My family loved Bing Crosby, Bingo once said. Bingo was a Catholic priest for for two years. He was a door-to-door Bible salesman. And the incredible thing is the priest stint happened when he was in his 60s. I wish I'd known him better. I... Every time I was with him, I thought, "I want this guy as a friend. I want to. Cl- I want him. I love him. I, I just loved him." His day job was social work. And um, here's somebody saying, and I'm sure this is true: the reason he was such a brilliant actor is he had such enormous compassion and empathy he was never there for any assertion of ego that is so true he was unself-consciously able to literally inhabit a character somebody writes here it's it's so intuitive It goes beyond traditional theater training. And in fact, um, a lot of theater-trained actors felt that Bingo was the greatest actor they ever acted with. He never went to acting school. He was totally self-taught. Navy veteran. If you never saw him, I am so sorry. Uh, And if you look often at the credits of Made in Pittsburgh films, um, Bingo is is in a lot of them. And I mean always little little teeny parts, but... um, he was in uh, George Romero's Creep Show. He was in Wonder Boys. Um, he was in uh, Out of the Furnace with Christian Bale. And he was also in that uh, TV miniseries, The Spike, The Kill Point, excuse me, which is on Spike TV. Um, he was amazing. Rest in peace, Bingo. I just love that, I mean, I don't know, I loved him. Oh, Barbara sent me more Trump Trump stuff from London. He said he would not have minded at all serving in the military during the Vietnam War. Is that why he got four deferments? He was asked uh, why... um, Whether he wished he could have served in Vietnam, as if somebody was saying, No, no, you cannot go. (laughs) The president said he was never a fan of the war, calling Vietnam a country nobody'd even ever heard of. But then he said he would have been happy and honored to have served. oh my god here's his direct quote i would not have minded that at all i would have been honored but i think i make up for it right now i think i'm making up for it rapidly because we're rebuilding our military at a level that it's never seen before oh Dear God in heaven. Um, There's another, you know, so the Republicans uh, look like they're actually going to stand up to him on the Mexican tariff thing. We'll see. It also appears (coughs) that the Republicans in the Senate are joining Democrats. And here's the mind-blowing part. Even Lindsey Graham... Trump's lapdog is uh joining with Democratic Senator Senator uh Robert Menendez uh introducing I mean I don't think these things have any standing what are called resolutions of disapproval and um it is an effort to I guess be on board it, it's too late to do anything what they're disapproving of uh, are 22 arms deals that the White House made uh, with Saudi Arabia in which uh, they, I believe, sent Saudi Arabia a whole bunch of nuclear uh, technology Um the Department of Energy said that the the White House had allowed U.S. nuclear energy companies to share their technology with Saudi Arabia. And get this, they okayed this just two weeks after the Saudis killed Khashoggi. This is how they punished Saudi Arabia for killing a Washington Post employee in their consulate in Istanbul, sawing him up into pieces. So two weeks later, the whole world was just aghast at what had occurred. Uh, Trump says... Okay, hey, all you nuclear energy companies, sure, you share anything you want with them. And then he did it again uh, less than a week after the House voted to end American backing for the Saudi uh, war in Yemen. Incredible. Incredible. Uh I'm just seeing what else I got here for you. Oh, this was funny. And um one of you sent it to me. I oh, wanna thank you, Kurt. Um I hadn't seen it. Uh it is um Gene Collier's uh, uh column. And I don't know, was this in uh I don't know where it was. I thought it was in the P G, but I'm not sure it was but he does uh he does a riff on those damn farm drug company commercials that i've talked about that just dri- it, it it drives him crazy in the same way it drives me you know all these if you're watching news it's clear that the audience is geriatric because all it is is one pharmaceutical company uh ad after another with all of these Gorgeous-looking, often fatally ill people. (laughs) Cavorting, loving their lives. Butterflies, dogs, everything's wonderful. And it's just so... And then the the narrative, those are the visuals. And the narrative is so ludicrous. And all of those, you know, half of it, easily, is all of these, you know, possible bad effects it could have. And he just goes to town with it and uh I love it we have a I, uh, before I share a, some of it with you um we have a caller caller go ahead Lynn? Yes? Hi Lynn. Hello. you remember if I tell you? Ida Miller from Green Bay Wisconsin? Uh yeah. Okay I'm sorry. I just wanted to call and tell you I'm 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 glad you got your uh, microphone fixed because I watched, you know, I've watched know been watching you on YouTube and I could hardly hear you and you know whenever you had your sister on and you know callers they came booming through like, yeah, I can hardly hear. Well, we're you got here. Done. What? You got that fixed up? Well I thought you said it was fixed. Didn't can you hear me now? I can hear you now, Lynn. Well great. Hey, let me tell you one thing, okay? Before I let you go, I want to tell you something. I think when you're on the show, you look real good in black. You should swear more black, honey, because you look sexy. Well, thank you very much, and I will Take your sartorial suggestions to heart. Thank you. Bye. 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 Don't ask me. Um, So Collier starts with this because I I love this. You should probably know at the start of this column that I've been to areas where certain fungal infections are common. (laughs) that's one of the things that first of all how do you know where fungal infections are excuse me when i'm like you know i've gone off to various countries and never have i like seen information prior to my visit or even while i'm there that would alert me to the fact that fungal infections are anyway but it's it's one of uh um So he goes off on that for a while. Um, but he just has a ball with this. Um, because he just literally, I've often thought of bo- bothering to do this. He does write down uh, some of some of this stuff. He, he points out that this country, and it figures, is one of the few nations on earth that allow drug companies to market their wares directly to us. And the only thing that our country says to them is, all right, well, we're going to let you do this. But you will have to uh, let people know about the most serious side effects. And so that's why you get half of the commercial being this hysterical rendition after they've told you how this is going to change what's left of your life and blah, 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 then it says, and he's got it down here. I just love this. Call your doctor right away if you have shortness of breath, chest pain, diarrhea, severe abdominal pain, yellowing of the skin, are bleeding or bruising more easily, experience rapid heartbeat, hearing loss, chills, constipation, muscle aches, dizziness, fainting, headaches that won't go away, itchy, blistering, peeling skin, skin sores, mouth ulcers, nose ulcers, throat ulcers, I think he's making some of this up, eye pain, confusion, shaking, wheezing, flushing, or a sudden compulsion to learn the bagpipe. I definitely know he made that up. (laughs) <laughs> and then there's like drugs that are for your heart. Oh, he, he some of his favorites are, are are this and they are. Uh it's a it's a drug for um for your heart and it says that one of the things that can sometimes happen is new or worsening heart failure. <laughs> Excuse me. What and he said another pitch is for a drug that, quote, can cause your immune system to attack normal organs and can lead to death. <laughs> and he says, "Wait, what? What? Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, and do, I mean, I, I just, how do you not laugh hysterically through these things? This is like, you know, this is for uh, a humorist like Gene Collier is just." it's a lob that he that he hit out of uh, of the park and here's one of my favorites too i didn't know it was spelled this way but here it is do not take Farsiva if you are allergic to Farsiga. as he says wait what <laughs> how well there's a number of questions i I have a follow-up question to that? Why would I, first of all, how would I even know I was allergic to it until I took it? I mean, don't take it if you're allergic to it. And he says, yes, they're required to say that, but happily enough, it keeps them from saying something like, if you're the kind of goofball who would take farsiga, knowing you're allergic to farsiga, perhaps what ails you is beyond the capacity of farsiga. Call your doctor immediately if you plan on leaving the house. Wow. Well, he hit it out of the park, and um, I just thought you might enjoy it. Oh, Lord. Uh, we got three minutes. Three minutes. What am I going to do with three minutes? Um, I saw that the the county has released. Oh, they released some of the write-ins uh, during our last uh, you know primary election here. People do write stuff. At, do you know how many people wrote a name in here just in Allegheny County in those elections? I'm blown away by this, 43,000. I've only, I think once or twice, and they've always been jokes. I mean, it's just, you know, like throwing up my hands and saying, you know, daffy duck. Um, So they're still pouring through the over 43,000 write-ins. Uh, it says we've started with the larger races and, um, I don't recognize any of the people who got write-ins. For county controller, some Republican got 1,800, Brooke Neddonly, um, um, I don't recognize any of these names and they don't look like they were people trying to have fun. It, um, so I once, I remember being stunned when I was first in broadcasting, which was in Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, the newspaper did a, a, an article like a few days after the election and found out that I had gotten like a number of, uh, of write-in votes for president. Um, I think it was the when Jimmy Carter ran, what would that have been, 76? Um, yeah, I got some votes for president. But, I, you know, when I see that write-in, um, I guess it's easily done. It just never occurs to me because it, what, what's the point? What's the point? But obviously forty-eight thousand, forty-three thousand. That's amazing. Okie doke. Um I think I'm gonna hang it up. I've got some other stuff here, but I've only got a minute left, and those two things just don't go comfortably together, so I'm gonna hang it up. Um uh, thank you if you were there. And um If I wear black tomorrow, I don't want you to think it is a result of that collar. I just might. I don't know. Hey, check this out. There, right? I'm wearing black on my back. Have a good day. Stay dry. Goodbye.